so yeah, we're we're both just souping it up, sitting yeah. here in the the dankest of chambers. Yeah, and we're doing it all for for you, gentle <laughs> listener. Yeah, for that on one a... person in Mongolia. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Shouts out Mongolian fan. Hey, thanks. Uh, you know, a bit of good news. Your boy is officially on vacation. Wow. Um, but you know what would be a, a lot cooler than being on vacation is if all of our dear listeners told like fifty fucking people about us, and then we could start a Patreon, and then we could make a bunch of money and never have to work again. Yeah, absolutely. We're that would rock. Yeah. I don't think it's premature to start thinking about monetizing. Yeah. I think that we're, I think that we, frankly, I think we deserve it. Um, yeah. And we've earned it. I would love, love to be a house husband someday. Yeah. A house Carl. Absolutely. <laughs> a, house, a house Carl. Yeah. Um, so before we even dive in here, uh, yeah. before I forget, um, yes. <laughs> I received uh, an urgent message from. Uh, from listener Matt uh, he Maddie Maddie H Matt H yeah. um, Maddie Ice <laughs> so yeah so I, I got a message we told the story I told the story in the last episode and there are a couple things that we have to clear up so I told a story about one of our friends uh, tackling us in the field at school now the bare bones details of that that's to say that we were tackled by this man uh, were true, but I, I've been corrected. So I had my, my, my details a little bit screwed up, as I do with most memories of that time. Yep. Uh, so I was told that I was supposed to mention that, that Evan, you weren't even there. Yeah, which uh, to be, uh, I'm go- I would also like to clarify, while you were telling this story, I was making the Steve Brule face. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not fucking remember this story. I yeah. didn't really want to mention that on the pod. But, Steve uh, Brule, you know- of course, is the guy who invented creme brulee. Um, so he usually had like a very like a oh nice kind of look on his face because he <laughs> oh, it's very big... nice. We did the sugar on top of the custard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I well so anyway so you weren't there. It was he and yeah. I and another friend, and it was not even the night that I was thinking that it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't go into further details, but you know. Um, and he wanted me to clarify that that he did not volunteer to tackle anybody. Uh, okay. He was he was asked uh, apparently quite quite fervently by yours truly, uh, I insisted that he tackle me. Um, and he said, <laughs> what did he say? Quote, are you sure, bro? Because I'm going to go for it. And that afterwards I was, I was visibly shook by the force of his <laughs> strike. Um, now, I think I at least made that last part clear, that, that he was a very successful football tackler. Yeah, yeah, I also yeah. never played football. Well, a learned tackler. Yeah. Um, so I think the important detail is he wanted the world to know that he 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 did not ask for this task. It was foisted upon him, uh, yeah. and also that despite his reluctance, this was a, a very successful uh, he task. He did perform admirably. He, he performed more than adequately. Also, just that you weren't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which the uh, yeah. When you were telling it, I was like, damn, I don't fucking remember that shit. But yeah. there are some college nights that I do not remember, so I wasn't going to correct you. Sure, yeah, and I mean, I feel that way about, so, and that's sort of what I ended up talking to him about. I was like, man, like, I completely remember it happening totally differently, and yeah. it's, a, it's a real memory that I have, um, yeah. which is kind of scary. You could remember the false events. Yeah, like, no, the, as far as I was concerned, I told that story as it occurred, um, but yeah. I, I trust, I trust uh, dear listener Matt's remembrance of mm. events far more than I'm willing to DLM to yeah yeah absolutely DLM dear listener Matt Finally got a hold of Waterloo oh, watermelon. Yep. I don't 
Like, it's fine. Yeah. But I, I find myself, like, kind of let down by it. After having tried like the pineapple and the peach, and oh, some see, of the other- yeah, yeah, you went with those ones. See, watermelon was like maybe the first one I ever tried. Yeah, yeah, I know it's not new; it's been around, but I, I just don't think that it like, I don't think that it holds up uh, when mm-hmm. compared to some of their other, um, like cool. What I would think of as like summery flavors. I haven't tried the red, white, and blue berry. Yeah, the re- yeah the yeah the summer berry or whatever it's called. Yeah. Berry flavors yeah, I tried tend that, not yeah. to. Berry flavors tend not to work for me. Yeah, it yeah, is. that's what everybody says. Except that that one is obviously because it's Waterloo. It's a great berry flavor. Yeah, if it tastes like real yeah. berries and not medicine. Yeah, yeah. I right now I good. got uh, the starfruit lemonade polar, mm-hmm. little fizzy po' boy action going. That's an amazing seltzer. It is a very good. That's like it an easily good. easily a top ten, possibly a top five for me. Yeah, yeah. Blood orange is my number one. Blood orange lemonade. That is a seltzer. I can just slam those down, dude. Like, I can drink an 8-pack easily by myself in the night. See, that's the thing, man. I I live exclusively on Planet 12-pack these days. Like, there are some really, really banging 8-pack seltzers out there that I just don't fuck with because I need... Waterloo is not available in the South Coast in the 12-pack. I know. You guys... I've never... Yeah, only 8-packs and only limited flavors. I have never seen an 8-pack of Waterloo. All I've got Go is to a Target packs. or a Shaw's. Okay. And that's where they have I, them. I, maybe, maybe they have the 12-packs up near you because I just get fucked for being down here in the South Coast. Yeah, I mean, all I'll say is this. I'm in Newton, dude. Whole Foods in, in Newton. Yeah. That's a that's a whole different beast. And the, the things that I put up with to get these fucking primo <laughs> goods, you, you don't want to deal with. You yeah, know? no, I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so let's welcome the show. Uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in again, or if it's your first time, welcome, new dear listener. Uh, yeah, better buckle up, because this shit gets fucking wild pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Left on Red is noted for being one of the most wild and unpredictable podcasts Absolutely, uh, dude. available we're just, we're on just most of the podcast and... providers near you. <laughs> drinking and drugging and fucking living a... <laughs> drinking and drugging and just... fucking and... <laughs> <laughs> living the most most rock and roll lifestyle you could possibly yeah, imagine. Yeah, the road life, baby. Absolutely. Way of the fucking road. <laughs> Way of the fucking road, bud. Um, yeah. yeah, so welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what you're yeah. in for. Yeah, uh, so before we get started, do we have an advertisement? Yeah, we do. We have, uh, and this is one that I'm excited about because this is one that I use personally. Um, and I actually reached out and to them because I was hoping to get a discount. Um, so this is kind of self serving, but I, you know, I make extensive use of their product. And finally, they were willing to, to acquiesce to my essentially my begging. Um, Nice. So, yeah, we're just getting a discount out of this one. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, so today's episode, I'm pleased to announce, is brought to you by Cochran's Cock Rings. Uh, Cochran's Cock Rings is your one-stop shop for bespoke handmade accessories for your prized show rooster. We started 10 years ago with our proprietary namesake, Bedazzled Rings, which fits snugly around the neck of your cock, providing a little pizzazz as your guy struts his stuff. Our vision, to ensure the competitive rooster show circuit had a reliable supply of affordable, dependable accessories for the wide variety of cocks that are out there. Since then, we've expanded to include a wide variety of tassels, scarves, caps, straps, sheaths, all decorated and custom tailored to keep your fella looking sharp. All of Cochrane's cock rings are custom fitted and sized based on your cock's measurements, so no need to worry about the ring fitting too tightly or too loosely. We want to make sure your cock has room to breathe. Whether the neck of your cock is long, short, fat, or petite, we've got you covered. And if, like some exhaust... <laughs> and if, like some exotic rooster enthusiasts, you have more than one cock, don't worry. We offer matching sets at discounted rates. Application of the ring is simple. Just grasp your cock firmly by the base of the neck and gently ease the ring down the entire length of the shaft. You'll find your cock responds to this stimulation eagerly and immediately. Just be careful, because some cocks are spitters. So cock-a-doodle do yourself a favor and look up Cochran's Cock Rings today. Trust me, you and your pretty little cock will thank us. All right, so yeah, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I've been breeding and showing uh, roosters for most of my adult life. Um, and so it He's was. a coxman. Yeah, I'm a coxman, and it was really, really awesome to finally, I think it was back in 2016 when these guys came out, really, really exciting because, I mean, 
honestly, I always He's got knew. the prettiest cock I've ever seen. I was going to say. that bad boy <laughs> out. I, I always knew my cock was good looking, but now that I can really draw attention to some of its better features, um, yeah. a lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, under all the fluff, uh, uh, a cock can be quite vascular and beautiful. So uh, yep. this really draws attention to that. And uh, so, yeah, we're excited. Uh, we're just getting a, a discount out of this, like I said, mostly for personal use. But please check them out and uh, drop yeah. our name. Might I recommend mentions. the uh, the Apache War Chief headdress yeah. for your cock? Yeah, it's not cultural appropriation if, uh, <laughs> if no one can see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, so that's, yep. that's it. All right, yeah. So uh, thank you, uh, Cochran's Cock Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, So anyway, uh, today's episode, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. we are venturing back to the uh, sunny, uh, bright, and, uh, well, the island of Britain, uh, as told by Geoffrey of Monmouth. Cool. Hey, uh, do I even have to be here for this? Because honestly, if you just do the episode, I don't even have to listen. You have to be here. Fuck. You have to be here for this. Geoffrey. Yeah. You've got to... uh, Got log your minutes, bud. Well, I guess I can. I guess I can get myself in the right headspace to hear more of yeah. Jeffrey's uh, notion of history. The right Jeff space. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, we're living in we're living in the Jeff sphere, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, don't even need to stop now. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Um. I mean, I do suggest listening to them, but you can just keep listening to this. The story is incomprehensible. And mm-hmm. um, probably most so in these chapters, although it does get pretty cool. Um, but there's also uh, some more of that really beautiful Jeffrey racism that you get when <laughs> it comes out to shine uh, here. Good, good. I expect nothing left. Le- nothing, le- I expect nothing, nothing left unread. From, <laughs> nothing left unwed for my good friend Jeff. Yep. All right, so when last we ventured to Britannia, The Britons had sent the vast majority of their soldiers and resources to mainland Europe, attempting to conquer all of Gaul, leaving Britain mainly undefended. This was not a wise move. Mm -mm. No, no, no. (laughs) So eventually, after continuously being ransacked by their neighbors, the Romans, because at this time this was still when Britain was uh, Mm Roman-occupied, the Romans basically called the Britons a bunch of useless pussies and left the island for good. They just reprimanded them for about a page and a half. Uh, now, Guithelinus, the Archbishop of London, then traveled to Armorica, which Geoffrey calls Little Britain. <laughs> uh, which is know, a great show, says, by the way. Yeah, yeah uh, at least at the time, he says, you know, it's Little Britain, but I'm pretty sure he just means Brittany, mm. <laughs> which is part of France. So, Guithelinus travels there in order to meet with Aldroenus, King of Brittany, in order to ask him to come back to Britain to rule the island. Algerinus basically said Britain wasn't worth a cram of shit and would be miserable to rule and whoever did would be a slave to Rome. And so naturally, he sends his beloved brother Constantine to rule and gives 2,000 of his soldiers to help reclaim the island from barbarian invasions. Now, this is not the famous uh, Roman Emperor Constantine. Uh, it's just, you know, one of about 50 fucking Constantines in this story by Jeffrey. Just a guy named Constantine. The line of Constantine yeah. actually continues to this day. Um, Keanu Reeves did a really good uh, autobiographical movie about them uh, in, like, 2005. And that's really worth checking out. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Guithelinus is, like, legitimately stoked over this turn of events. Um He's like, fuck yeah, dude, bring Constantine. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, So Constantine, uh, he gets to the island. He wins in reclaiming it. He gets married, and then he has three large adult sons named Constance, (laughs) Aurelius Ambrosius, and Uther Pendragon, uh, the latter of whom would be the father of King Arthur. All right. And um, I'm just going to give a little forewarning. Aurelius Ambrosius is a fucking son of a bitch figuring out what the hell Jeffrey means with this dude, and we'll get into that later. Okay. But Uther and Aurelius will play a huge role. Okay. Um, So after sending off his sons as wards, Constantine was killed by, Jeffrey's words here, a certain Pict (laughs) with a dagger. 
That feels like it's got like a little wink and a nod. Like yeah. whoever's reading it is supposed to be like, oh man, I know who that is. But like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's not even footnoted. Yeah, like he just goes, yeah, a certain pick. Right. Game the translator was like, we dagger. can't even begin to guess who the fuck we he's talking about. Yeah, we so. don't know what kind of weird, uh, sideways racist comment yeah. he's putting in here. But you know, like back then, everybody would have been like, oh, dude, Stabby McTavish. We all know yeah, about. <laughs> we all know about him. Oh, Stabby. The most yes. stabby of picks. Yeah. <laughs> I wish uh, we knew. So, yeah. So a disagreement about who should succeed followed, with the main claimants being Aurelius Ambrosius and Uther Pendragon. Gonna throw an F in the chat for Constans, who was forced into the monastic order despite being the eldest. Oh, I suspect buggery. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, there is some buggery afoot. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so with some other relatives throwing their hats in the ring, and the sudden appearance of a one Vortigern, leader of the Jewisse, uh, which I, I, I had no, I assumed that would be like Gavise or something like that, or that he would be German, nah, Jewisse or Jewisse, and it's just I don't know, some Pictish sons of bitches or something. Yeah, I, f I feel like I've heard. Uh, it's probably in some like TV yeah. show based on this period that I've heard of the Jewisse. Yeah, yeah, it's spelled it sounds different. familiar. Yeah, it's spelled differently usually. Yeah. Um, but that that's the way that it's spelled. Uh, which uh, our dear readers, this is a great podcast meme to talk about spellings that they can't see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Vortigern convinced Constans the monk um, to become a puppet of Vortigern. Uh, the plan worked as the other brothers were babies, and so Constans became king. But all power uh, all power was placed in Vortigern, who of course began plotting to overthrow Constans. Whomst could have foreseen so, this. Okay. Yeah, so, so Vortigern so, convinces Constance to work for him. Yeah. He makes him the puppet king. But so then Constance really... is a kid, I, I assume. It's not really said. Yeah. His two younger brothers are babies. However, for some reason, the eldest son was given to the monastic order to become a monk. And Vortigern just comes up to him and says, fuck that. How about you become a puppet of me? Mm -hmm. And Constance was like, yeah, that's cool, man. This monk shit sucks. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now the oldest brother is is in charge, but he's really working Nominally. for for Vortigern. Vortigern. Yeah, yeah. So Vortigern began fomenting in Constance the idea that the Picts were going to lead the Danes and the Norwegians on another invasion of Britain, so he could wrest more control within himself and away from Constance. And I loved uh, loved this fucking quote right here from the book. In this, you can see the hidden treachery of a secret enemy. Vortigern was advising this, not in order to ensure the safety of Constans, but because he knew that the Picts were a shifty people, <laughs> ready for any mean trick. When they were drunk, or when something had made them angry, they could easily be stirred up against the king and so murder him out of hand. Nice. Dude, you can yes. never, never trust a Pict. Yeah, dude, they're shifty, yeah. Maybe that's what he Look meant by a certain Pict. It's just like you're supposed to be like, oh, the Picts. Like, just yeah, any Pict, yeah. They're stabby as a Yeah, people. some certain Pict. They're all the right. same. Yeah. Um, so Vortigern then welcomed a bunch of picks into the king's retinue and made them loyal only to him. He got them wasted and then put the idea in their head to kill the king, although they, of course, thought it their idea. Right. And so they killed him, and Vortigern then killed the picks and made himself king while Uther Pendragon and Aurelius Ambrosius fled to Brittany with their caretakers. Got it. Because, so again, they're still little babies. They've run to little, little Britain. Yeah, yeah, little Britain. Okay. You, but, yeah, but, you, but, yeah, because I live at home with Shelley, and she could be my mum, but she might be my sister, I'm not sure. Maybe she's both. Anyway, she's, like, well harsh, because once, right, she grounded me for 15 minutes, and it was so unfair, because all I did, right, was go down Baskin Robbins, because Denise Welby got a Saturday job there, and I made her give me all the money out the till and shat in the mint chocolate chip. Yep. So, eventually, Vortigern's plotting became known as various peoples rebelled against him. Meanwhile, three longships led by Hengist and Horsa appeared mm. leading, quote, unknown men and, what is more, men of huge stature. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, like these chapters, he's just getting weird, Jeffrey. Like, he, he's starting to throw in all these weird clauses talking about people. Mm. Unknown men and, what is more, they were men of huge stature. Big boys. Yeah. Big, yeah, beefy the large, boys. Yeah, dude, the large sons landed. Oh, uh, yeah. So they were men from Saxony. And they came to Britain as there were too many beefy dudes in their country. And it was their custom to travel to new lands and offer themselves in service when, you know, there was just too many of them. Gotcha. So the big beefy boys came here adventuring. 
Uh, now, if you know any of the history of Great Britain, uh, you probably know what's happening next mm. when the Saxons come. Yeah. So, uh, also, they, they also apparently worshipped Mercury, Saturn, and Jove. Again, Saxons. Uh, but above all was Mercury, who they claim in their language is called Odin, which the book spells it Woden. But they literally say, like, yeah, uh, we worship Mercury, but you would know, or we call him Odin, but you would know him as Mercury. Got it. I He's mean, there's some, uh, that sort of makes sense to a certain extent, because especially the Romans had this habit of sort of, when there was a god that was like an analog to one that they already had, I mean, they were they were also really liberal with like just integrating. Yeah, but new the Saxons were the never, never part of Rome. No, 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 they weren't. But what I'm saying is, if you were somebody who was writing in Geoffrey's time, they would have at least been aware of like the equating of the Roman pantheon to indigenous gods, yeah. um, because that was like a really common practice. So sometimes yeah. you do see like like when the Romans are writing about. Uh, other tribes, they'll say they worshipped, mm -hmm. you know, Mercury or whatever. But yeah, really, yeah, like, yeah. it was their own indigenous, you know, god of war or whatever that was sort of yeah, analogous. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. It, it, okay, it, yeah. in, in the context of reading, like, historical writing, it's not uncommon to find these sort of weird, like, especially when you're talking yeah. about the Romans, they would equate um, gods of other pantheons with yeah. their own. And just yeah, it, it was that. just that uh, Jeffrey was saying that these were actual quotes by Hengist. Yeah, I'm so. sure that it's just yeah. a, a, a matter of him not being very good at Latin and like reading old books and being like, okay, Mercury, Odin, and just like running with it. And yeah. now that's part of his narrative. I don't yeah, even, I'm it, not even convinced this guy ever fucking read a book. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a son of a bitch. He man. just was like, I'm going to skip that and go straight to writing one. <laughs> yeah, tell me what those pages say. Yeah. You read it. And then I'll just add a little bullshit to it. Um, so then Hengist and Horsa also start talking about the calendar. Mm -hmm. And uh, they say the fourth day of the week, they call Wednesday after Odin. Yeah. And then they say they also worship the woman Freya, and for whom they named the six-day Friday. That's true. It's just a little aside. Yeah, it is. It's just a weird little yeah. aside they put in. That, um, that is what our names, our days of the week are named yeah. after, though. They're all after the... Yeah, the yeah, old... for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So, desperately needing men, Vortigern put aside his dislike of their polytheism and accepted them into his service. And with the Saxons' help, Vortigern easily repelled his enemies and settled the Saxons, who then called more of their kind over to Britain. Hengist then built a fortress in his territory, and 18 full longships of Saxons came to Britain. Remember, at first it was three. Mm. That's how the Saxons get you. Absolutely. Um, now, you among them. them yeah. Now, among them was Renwine, the daughter of Hengist, who was beautiful and whom a drunken Vortigern became infatuated with. Uh, so, in exchange for the province of Kent, Renwine was given to Vortigern for marriage, despite the king already having three sons named Vortimer, Catagern, and Pashent. Mm. Kent was also under the rule of the Earl uh, Goranganus, who did not know about this deal. Man, he's going to be in for a rude awakening. Yeah, Porgoranagus. Porgoranagus. Man, Porgoranagus, man. Yeah. That guy. Gernanigans. Has anybody let, has anybody let Gernan, Gernan, has anybody let him Gernanigans know? The guy, Goran. I, Gernanigans, famous for my wrath. And my son, Gernanigans, who will avenge me. Yep. Uh, so Saint Germanus and Lupus then came to the island due to the pagans inhabiting it. Lupus, as well as yeah, Lupus, yeah, as well as. <laughs> they, no, they didn't. They didn't specify if he was a saint. They just said a dude named Lupus. Oh, is he who? So, is he who the disease is named after? I'm not sure. Hmm. I have no fucking clue. But him and St. Germanus came to the island, not only due to the pagans that were now running wild, spreading their filthy pagan ways. Sure. Uh, but also the Pelagian heresy was spreading throughout the island. Now, uh, if you don't know what Pelagianism is, it is a heresy stated that, he, uh, that stated that humans were not tainted by original sin and could come to perfection without the grace of God. Yeah, which, I mean, <laughs> that if you're how stupid church, is that? If you're running the church, that's not what you want to fucking hear. No. No, we no, don't no, even no, no. need them, guys. Yeah. 
No, no, you need me. Yes, you need me. Trust me. I Do perform not to Pelagius. <laughs> I perform several very important yeah. functions. Pelagius lies. You come here. We take care of you. <laughs> come to Papa. Yeah. Uh, so Hengist then convinced the dumbass Vortigern to send for more Saxons and settle them on the far side of the hum of the Humber to help against invasions. So at this point, fucking 300 more ships arrived. And then they kept on coming as they continually helped Vortigern and conquer. You see? The, they're just... That's mm. how a Saxon gets you. Yep, never trust a Saxon. Or a pick. Yep. Yeah, yeah, oh my god, you must be outside I mean, your if there's really mind, any, like, bro. cohesive... You must be, yeah, you must be outside your motherfucking mind to trust a Pict or a Saxon, or, now, this is what Vortigern will eventually do, fucking both. Yeah, oh god. If there's one, like, overarching theme to this show, it's that you should never trust a Pict or a Saxon. Yeah, so now you know. Now you know. Actually, we can probably just stop here. Yeah. Yep, uh, left and right is done. Uh, I, that's it. If I'd known it was going to be so easy to get our, like, our core moral we value got it across. 17 episodes. Oh, what a waste of time. Yeah, we got 17 episodes <laughs> to our, our grand unifying theory of history. Do not trust a Pict or a Saxon. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, the people of Britain became frightened as the pagans were so numerous now that they freely mingled with the Christians... Daughters and female relations. Ugh. Another Jeffreyism. <laughs> Absolutely. He's, dude, he's got some good ones in these chapters. Guys only care about one thing, and it's fucking disgusting. And, <laughs> yeah. Picts only care about one thing, and it's fucking disgusting. Absolutely. Stabbing. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in, uh, in so, all its forms. Yeah, looking shifty and stabbing, yep. So Vortimer was elevated to the kingship and began expelling the Saxons, uh, fighting and winning battles, including one where Horsa and Catajern killed each other in single combat. You know, Vortigern was, uh, he was relieved of his command. Mm. Yep. Uh, so Horsa and Catajern are dead, and then the Saxon men then fled to Germany, leaving their women and children behind. The Saxons. So Vortimer began righting all the wrongs that his father had done, and so an evil spirit found its way into Renwine and tempted her to poison Vortimer, which killed him immediately. Wait, what? Okay, so so Vortigern was relieved of command. He yeah, was yeah, still yeah. alive. Okay. And so, so where does this evil spirit come in? I, I, don't, I don't fucking know. I don't I'm not So he decides this. to start to start fixing everything yeah. his father did. I, I was not awarded this information. <laughs> it just says an evil spirit took hold of Renwine and it tempted her to kill Vortimer. But it did. And she did. did you, you're That's on the same page as me. right? Yeah, you're on the same page as me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. You don't know? I don't know. Don't ask me this. I don't know right. this. I didn't write this. <laughs> I didn't write this. Okay. <laughs> um, we're just doing the best we can. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying, folks. We're... Moving right along. Okay, okay so uh, Vortigern, who is still alive, was then re-elevated to the kingship, and he asked the Saxons to secretly return, but instead they sent a fleet of 300,000 men. Vortigern now realized his mistake. Almost. <laughs> uh, Hengist once again tricked him by saying he thought Vortimer had asked him to return as a trick, but now seeing it was truly Vortigern, he was coming in peace. He thought he was being, you know, double-crossed. Wait, did you write Vortigern there on purpose? Or is that supposed to be Vortimer again? He, uh... Okay, so Hengist thought yeah. Vortigern was really Vortimer as, acting as Vortigern and had asked him to return as a trick. But then when he got there, he saw oh. it was actually Vortigern. So yes. Vortigern's back. Yeah. And Vort so and Vortigern's back. Dead. Vortimer's... <laughs> yep. But so then... Hengist thinks Imagine that Vortigern is Vortimer, but then he realizes that it's really Vortigern. Vortigern, yeah. They're they're expecting <laughs> double crossings and, and being doubled and redoubled. Well, it's their it's own like, fault for naming these guys all the same fucking name. Dude, yeah. Imagine my dismay as I'm reading this. <laughs> <laughs> like, trying to write an episode. I'm like, wait, who the fuck is Vortimer again? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so okay. Vortigern, uh, he sees him, and then um, now Hengist... Uh, now, he was plotting a betrayal and massacre during a peace conference, which succeeded in killing a whole host of the nobles of the island. Mm. So once again, the Saxons began conquering the island and let Vortigern escape with his life if he renounced the island to them, which the worm did. He then summoned his magicians for help, and, uh, and 
Lewis Thorpe, who wrote my my version, would say, this is when you get start getting prepped for Merlin. Gotcha. So, Vortigern summoned his magicians for help, who all told him to build a strong, impregnable tower. He picked a spot, and the masons began building the foundations and would finish the tower, although every night it would sink back into the earth. So Vortigern's like, what the fuck keeps happening to it? Yeah. So he asked the magicians, um, and he wants a tower on that spot, but what must he do in order for it to stay built? And they say, you must find a boy without a father, kill him, and sprinkle the blood on the mortar and stones in order for the foundation to hold firm. It's basic, basic math, basic yeah. science. Yeah, if they had just gotten a union a union contractor on this, they yeah. would have known that right from the get-go. you got to yeah, have a fatherless, yeah. a fatherless boy's blood. The, the the union knows this. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. that's why nowadays we have a little thing called rules and regs. Uh, yeah, and 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 codes. You should have talked codes. to the Teamsters, my man. Absolutely, because they would have told yeah. you. Wrong yeah. union, though. The Teamsters are. Uh, yeah, they're delivering, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. Yeah, they would deliver the stones. They would deliver the blood. Pre-sprinkled, pre-sprinkled, pre-sprinkled with a young boy's blood. Yep. Guaranteed, um, no father. This kid, no father. No father, trust me, he didn't have no fucking father. I knew this kid. I knew his mother, trust me, he didn't have no he fucking had no father. father. <laughs> um, so, a young boy named Merlin, who I'm sure um, most of you have heard of before. Uh, so Merlin was found, who had no father, and whose mother was the daughter of a king of Demedia, which is a region in southern Wales. And I believe um, it refers to Dyfed, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, so Merlin and his mother were brought to Vortigern. The woman then told the king that she had never been with a man, classic, but that something often visitor, visited her in the guise of a handsome man, classic, mm-hmm. and kissed her, but could disappear at will and even talk to her while invisible. Whomst amongst us. I know. Um, so they laid together and Merlin was born, and she had never lain with any other man. Now, someone named Mogantius is summoned to the king, and Thorpe in a note adds that the way he was introduced implies that Geoffrey had found the rare name, along with uh, one other rare name in this section of the story, and the source. So I just say that because, you know, if you go back to the beginning of this series, um, it's really not sure where Geoffrey had gotten a lot of this information, but right. through little clues like this, you can sort of infer that he probably did have some sources that he was working from. Gotcha. Um, so Magantius presumes that the woman was impregnated by an incubus, as as he claims this story is fairly common in his studies. <laughs> yeah, some woman with a husband. Fuck it. Oh, I swear to God, it didn't cheat on you, man. It was uh, must have been an incubus came to me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> pardon me. Whoops. Must have been an incubus. So pardon me. Egg on my face. <laughs> um. But uh, so Megantius says that there are spirits such as the incubus that live between the moon and the earth. He says incubi are part man, part angel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone Um, everyone knows that. So now Merlin, who is apparently a boy, he's looking around um, and he asks why he has been brought to the king. And when the king tells him, Merlin says they, uh, the magicians with that stupid story about sprinkling blood, Mm -hmm. uh, blood are lying. And Merlin can prove it. He speculates that something is beneath the tower, causing it from successfully being built. It's a pretty, pretty good guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's better than sprinkling, sprinkling blood. Yeah. Uh, and then he, and then quickly says he is also called Ambrosius, which Thorpe okay. in a note says that the way it is phrased has all the airing of a gloss. It's one of those like snarky notes that Thorpe adds. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, he's just, like, he can't reconcile these two characters being where they are in the story. So he's just like, I also am him. So, no. Now, here's why. And I'll, um, in fact, Merlin is likely a combination of two characters. One of whom is the historical Ambrosius Aurelianus. Who, in Geoffrey's story, he turns into an uncle of Arthur, who we know as Aurelius Ambrosius. And he also turns him into Merlin, although uh, these two are separate characters in Jeffrey's story. This is like, I, I spent like an hour trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. Right. There's a real historical character named Ambrosius Aurelianus, who is a Romano-British general. Okay. And then, um, and he's written about in records. 
But then there's also somebody else who was a wildman of the woods called Maiden Wilt. Okay. And Jeffrey somehow conflates both of these characters into two separate characters, both named Ambrosius, although both Ambrosiuses are based on a real Ambrosius. But these two are not the same. It's weird. My eyes have just gone crossed. <laughs> yeah, it's I can't. he's doing weird shit, man. Wait till they meet the Vordigerns. Yeah. And Jurgant um, and Gardena. Well, they already cause... have now, yeah. Both of them. Oh. Um, so Merlin said oh. the king should order his men to dig beneath the earth. Okay. Where they will find a pool, which they did. Merlin asked the magicians what would be, fo- uh, what would be found beneath the pool, which they could not say. He told Vortigern to drain the pool, and at the bottom will be two hollow stones, inside of which will be two dragons sleeping. Now all around the king realized there was something actually supernatural about Merlin. Everybody's like, oh my god. Is that what they called it back then? Supernatural? Yeah, it sounds like Merlin was fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, no, so Merlin's based off of... So so here's where I note this. Merlin's a a uh, composite of two characters. One of whom, as I said before, was the Roman British general Ambrosius Aurelianus. The other is a bard named Maiden Wilt, who went mad after witnessing atrocities during war and became a wildman of the woods in the 6th century, just running around the woods screaming like insane shit okay. with a, <laughs> as a bard. However, he existed after the time of Arthur, um, which Arthur was late 5th to early 6th centuries. Got it. Yep. So one of Jeffrey's big sources was uh, Nennius's Historia Britonum, which told the initial story of the child Ambrosius and the tower that collapsed and the child being fatherless and needed to save the tower, but the child really knew that it was dragons causing it to fall. So this is supposed to be an embellishment on the historical character, the real one, Aurelianus, uh, Ambrosius okay. Aurelianus. But Jeffrey adds his own embellishments in his version by combining this child with the wildmen of the woods. So it's just a <laughs> bunch of bullshit going on. Man, yeah. all right. Yeah. Okay. So this sec- yeah. So this so now this section of the book we're getting to the prophecies of Merlin, which is one of the most batshit insane 16-page runs I've ever read in my okay. life. Um so this uh, it begins with Jeffrey claiming that he was hounded by people in his time to publish the prophecies of Merlin from his native British tongue into Latin, and he was especially called upon to do this by Alexander Bishop of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And it's Fuck, it's just, like, incomprehensible reading this. It's, yeah. So, you know, back to the narrative. The pool has been drained, and out emerged two dragons, one red and one white, as they deigned to do battle with each other. Fortigern, confused as always, commanded Merlin, which again here, Geoffrey calls him Ambrosius Merlin, to explain the meaning of this battle, and Merlin burst into tears and prophesied thus. And okay. then it's literally like 14 straight pages of his of pro- prophecies. And so you're just going to distill his, his various prophecies As best down. I can. Okay. As best I can. All right, let's rock. So Let's do it. The red dragon near its end and dying represents Britain in their struggle against the white dragon, the Saxons. Okay. The white dragon will take the den of the red dragon as its new home in Christianity which I assume Jeffrey just calls it religion, but then notes the churches of England, uh, will be destroyed on the island, although in the end the oppressed will win against the savagery of the invader. Mm-hmm. The boar of Cornwall will rise up and conquer Gaul and take over the house of Romulus, and the boar will rise, and after the boar will rise the German worm, who shall take control of the African forests. Religion will fought that's capital R religion will fall once again, but over time the red one will regain its lost strength, as the white one will now find calamity. A man will rise up and appear as the man of bronze and guard the gates of London before the red dragon tears itself down again. The thunderer will wreak havoc on the land and destroy the nations before a blessed king will raise a navy. And then the realm shall be deserted again before the white dragon rises once more and invites a, quote, daughter of Germany. So this just fucking continues forever with, like, vague descriptions of the red, the white, and the German dragons duking it out for control with some references to the Normans and people dressed in wood. So, is this red dragon the red dragon that's on the flag of Wales? I, I assume so. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 
Because again, like King Arthur, like when we talk about British, really, it's like Welsh. Like right. The Welsh. So yeah, the, the Welsh the are really like or the the descendants of the the old Britons. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, there's then discussion of the Lion of Justice, which at first I assumed was going to be Richard the Lionheart, mm -hmm. but he was actually, he reigned like 50 years after this book was written. Okay. So, there goes that one. Um, so at this point, it seems that Merlin is just making very vague references about kings, whereas before it seemed more broad strokes about events. Uh, he then talks about how some cubs would rise up, and the six of them would unite Ireland. Is that supposed to be Brian Boru? Dude, I have no idea. All right. I have no fucking idea. Um, eventually, he finally names some people. Codwallader and Conanus are mentioned by name with their alliance with Albany. However, pretty quickly, the vague illusions return before something named the Ass of Wickedness is mentioned. <laughs> the Wicked Ass. <laughs> That's what it sounds like when the Ass of Wickedness farts. It's just like... <laughs> John, I want a divorce. Divorce. <laughs> it's not funny, John, and you know it's been coming for a long time. Well... Divorce. <laughs> Why do you always laugh when I'm upset? Oh, every time you say divorce, you just look so cute. All right, and now um, a healing girl from Canute's Forest is then mentioned, which is a huge jump after a bunch of vague illusions. Uh, yeah, Canute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The North Sea Empire. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they go with the Canute spelling, but yeah. Bro, I play Crusader Kings. I know all about yep. the North Sea Empire. Yeah. Yeah, so Codwallader is around the 7th century, and Canute, who unites England, Denmark, and Norway under the North Sea Empire, was in the 11th. Uh, so Merlin prophecies that the English Channel will grow so narrow two men could yell to each other across it. This does not happen. <laughs> Sorry, Merlin. <laughs> um, uh, he also predicts the movie The Birds by Hitchcock, basically. Cool. Uh, he talks about how a heron will unite the birds and wreak vengeance, and they just fuck up the entire island. Um, the heron will eventually lay three eggs that become a fox, a wolf, and a bear, and the fox will eat the mother and then don the head of an ass. I don't remember that from the birds. Yeah. Now, I really like this quote. Once it has assumed this monstrous guise, it will terrify its brothers and drive them away to Normandy. Okay. Yep. And then basically a war of animals ensues, although the line, they will manufacture truly porcine members, is uttered, which rocks. Wow. <laughs> Just pig pig people? Yeah. Yeah. Putting or together porcine the members? Parts Are we talking about pig penis? Uh, no, we're talking about the pieces of a pig that are then put together. Gotcha. I believe. Um, truly like a porcine member. Like a Franken-pig. A Franken-pig, yeah. Uh, they will manufacture truly porcine members. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then another good quote. Out of the worm shall come seven lions, malformed with goat's heads. With the fetid breath from their nostrils, the lions will corrupt married women <laughs> and cause wives so far faithful to one husband to become common prostitutes. The father shall not know his own son, for human beings will copulate wantonly as cattle do. Which, He's basically uh, saying dads are going to fuck their dude, sons. Yeah, dude, dads and sons fucking dude. Like, this sounds like a hundred, uh, Sallow, a hundred, a hundred days of Sodom. Absolutely. You could also just, like, make some shitty low-budget version of this and put it on, like, uh, Pornhub. Yeah. Like the, whatever, the user-submitted ones that have the little drum thing at the start. <laughs> Doom, da, boom, 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 yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I don't. Wait, what? No. Man. You're not a, wow. You're a bad millennial. All right. Okay. Keep going. Um, yep. Uh, so there are several pages about animals doing war with each other, a giant, a dragon, and whatnot, until Merlin gets into astrology and then it ends. It would make no sense to even give an overall summary of what happens. This covers it. Again, so what? now just take everything I said and make it like, like 16 fucking pages. Gotcha. It's insane. Yeah, it sounds awesome. It, honestly, it was like probably the coolest part of the book so far. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, dude. The the wicked ass. I mean, I um, love I love just like the idea of like this freaky like Merlin kid 
his eyes just rolling back in his head, and he's like, and then the dragon shall rise, and the yeah. dragon will spawn the worm of Germany, and <laughs> and uh, 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 the Germans will know what it means to be a fox donkey. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, like, so, like, after he does this for, like, an hour and a half or something, everybody's just like, okay, great. Um, Do you need a glass moving of water? On. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Um, are you okay, man? Because you said a lot Vortimer, about it. Vordemar, you had your hand up a little while ago. Did you um? <laughs> did you have a, you did you have a question? Jump in here. <laughs> did you want to jump in here? Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, interesting. So, okay, I don't know that this is exactly what we're looking for right now, but we do have your name on file, and uh, yep. you know, we'll we'll definitely keep you in mind. Anyone else? But have we are any looking questions? for somebody that can help with the Saxons. Yeah. So what we were asking about was this tower that's sinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, listen. I, I. It's not that I don't appreciate all the info Quite the about imagination. the dragons, but um, we were about to kill a kid. So <laughs> do we do that or not? You know. Uh, I so, just. I feel like. Am I the only one? It's been. Yeah. It, I'm not super clear here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need some instruction. Well, okay then. So what will happen is the worm of misery will no, no, descend we got, we from got the, the worm. We... Oh, I wrote down the worm. I wrote down okay. the worm. Did you okay. get about um, the ass of the ass of misery? Okay. What about um the the lions with the fetid breath and the dudes fucking their sons? Yeah. So, so can I can I fuck my son? So getting back to the narrative, um, everyone is a, is astonished as to what Merlin has said. Basically, just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like fucking. Uh, wh- and, uh, what? So Vortiger then just goes, "Okay, well, so how is my life going to end?" <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if this is the guy to ask. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's not going to say like, uh, "You're going to be fine in your sleep." He's going to be like. And then the dragons of the north will rip your testicles from your brain, and you will... <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's at this point that it seems Vortigern finally understands how supremely fucked he is. <laughs> As, um, Merlin lets him know that he was, uh, first an absolute buffoon to usurp the throne from the son of Constantine or the sons, Aurelius and Uther, as they will uh, as they will head to the island to conquer it from the Saxon scourge and then revenge their father. Mm-hmm. However, um, that's Option A. Option B is if they fail, then the Saxons would do the trick themselves, <laughs> being the monster to Vortigern's Frankenstein. Gotcha. Regardless, he's fucked, and the brothers are sailing to the island now, though their fates are also sealed and doomed. Um, okay. So, yeah, uh, immediately the next day, Aurelius Ambrosius lands. He rallies the Britons and British nobles to his cause, and then he hunts down and kills Vortigern. Boom. Fuck. Um, so, Hengist absolutely pants pissingly afraid of uh, Aurelius uh, just flees uh, with the Saxons to Scotland, a uh, land routinely hostile to the Britons, and Aurelius followed in pursuit. Eventually a massive battle was fought with the Britons winning a huge victory, and as the Saxons fled with Hengis, uh, Aurelius enslaved anyone he captured. That sucks. Yeah. R.I.P. man. Shit. Um... <laughs> So Hengist, realizing he could not escape Aurelius, drew up in battle again, and another slaughter took place, and Hengist was captured. The Britons debated over what to do with Hengist, and Eldilus, Bishop of Gloucester, said, Even if you were all doing your level best to have this man set free, I would hack him in pieces myself. In this, I would be following the prophet Samuel, who, when he held in his power Agag, king of Amalek, hewed him in pieces, saying, As thy sword hath made woman childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. Do therefore the same with this man, who is clearly a second Agag. So, Um, so, okay, so what, okay, so what do we do with him? (laughs) <laughs> Thereupon, Elgal <laughs> took his sword, led Hengist outside the city, and packed him off to hell by cutting off his head. Which is, like, probably the coolest line That's of the awesome, dude. He's like, all right, <laughs> get going. <laughs> yeah, packed him off to hell by cutting off his head. Nice, like, dude. Actually a good line by Jeffrey. Good yeah. job, dude. It's you like sending your kids out to the school. Cool. It's like, all right, honey, you got to get going. Yeah. Don't want to be late. <laughs> yep. Bus is here. Yep. <laughs> 
So uh, the remaining Saxons, having surrendered, were awarded land near Scotland to be settled. Like, they just don't learn their fucking lesson. Mm-hmm. They keep resettling the, the Saxons who immediately rise up. Yeah. So London was rebuilt after the devastation of the war and became the seat of government. As he was rebuilding the rest of the country, Aurelius became aware of Merlin and had him brought to his court, where Merlin instructed Aurelius that his prophecies can only be foretold in times of dire need. Otherwise, the spirit taking hold of him would abandon him were he to use them on trivialities. It's not a party trick. Wait, I thought Merlin was Aurelius. Oh, he's Ambrosius. No, no, Aurelius, no, they're they're both uh, the same historical character is the basis of these two. So these two guys who are talking to each other are, are just kind different of built from the same, of the same guy. Yeah, but they're different in Jeffrey's story. So right, so for the purposes of the narrative, Aurelius so and Merlin are two guys. Yeah, so in the source Nennius's Historia Britonum, Merlin is just called Ambrosius, and he's based on that character. This rocks. This is yeah. great. Okay. In Jeffrey's story, that character, Ambrosius, is what becomes different characters, Aurelius and Merlin. Although he also combines uh, some of Ambrosius with, like, a insane person in the woods. Gotcha. Okay. Merlin. Cool. Yep. I feel like we can't uh, spend too much time on it because it's not ever going to make it, sense. Yeah, it's very confusing. Okay. Uh, it's very, very confusing. As long as I'm not just, like, a complete yeah. idiot for not yeah. having any No, it took me, like, I was here. reading that for a while, like, wait, yeah. what? Um, so Merlin does, however, at this point, say that Stonehenge is in Ireland at Mount Kilaross and it's called the Giant's Ring, and that it was built by the Giants as some infirmary for their sick, and that it should be brought to Britain and brought to the site they are meeting at as a monument to the buried heroes of the war, and they will stand forever. Also, the Giants brought the stones from Africa. <laughs> uh, right. They were told to fight the people of Ireland if they had to, and Uther Pendragon led the expedition. They quickly defeated the Irish, and Merlin moved the stones effortless- effortlessly to Britain. Now, Pashent, son of Vortigern, <laughs> then attempted to retake the island, but was repelled. Pashent then joined the Irish and Saxons, and they all plotted their revenge. And when Aurelius fell ill, one of the Saxons offered to get close to him and poison him. He was effortlessly able to get to the king's court, pretending to be a monk and healer. And he mixed a draft that the king drank, and he died. Okay. Shitty guards. Yeah. yeah. They were like, oh, yes, sir, please, please, please come in, he's sick. He's like, all right, I'm right just going to make him something. Can I Can I just give him and something? And the king was like, and literally Aurelius yeah. was like, give me that fucking thing. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I will drink it 100%. Yeah. Right now, mix that shit. Hell yeah, Who are you again? fucking do this. Yeah, I'll drink that. <laughs> You're the guy that was outside the gate fucking just shitting into a canal? Okay. Yeah, come in here. Yeah. All right. So at Aurelius's death, a ball of fire shaped like a dragon spread out through the heavens from a single beaming star. And from the dragon's mouth stretched two rays of light. One over Gaul and the other over Ireland. Merlin is then summoned by Uther, and Merlin tells him Aurelius is dead, and the star is a sign that Uther must immediately wage war to control the island. Wow, really? Wow, I didn't see that coming. And that he will have a great son that will rule over all the lands the first ray of light covers. And the second is his daughter, whose sons and grandsons will be kings of Britain. So yeah, Uther won I know his who's battle. Coming. I know who's yeah. on his way. Hell yeah. So Uther won his battle and was crowned king, and he became Uther Pendragon, which uh, apparently means a dragon's head in British, Mm -hmm. um, after he had two gold dragons fashioned in the likeness of the star. Surprise, surprise, the Saxons under Octa and Aosa, Hengist's sons, survived these wars, regrouped, and initially began winning another war, although in the end, they were defeated and captured. Uther also visited the lands of the Scots and reclaimed that rebellious people from their state of savagery. Can't blame them. What can I say? (laughs) Some more uh, Jeffrey racism there. Eh, well, when you're right, you're right. Now, I really love this story. Uther became enamored with a married woman, Egerna, and he flirted so rapaciously with her that her husband, uh, Gorlois, went to war with Uther. Like, they were just at, like, a dinner, and Uther's drinking, and he just keeps flirting with this woman. Who's like, eh, no, I'm kind of married, yes. And uh, her husband's just sitting there like, just fucking Hey, babe, did it hurt when you when you fell from heaven? He just, like, you, says, he just yells the whole pickup heaven. line out, like, <laughs> yeah. before she even has a chance. Hey, did it hurt when you fell, when you fell from heaven? 
Yeah. And the husband's like, listen, man. <laughs> yeah, hey, babe, um, today's word is legs. Let's go back to my place, and we're going to spread the word We're gonna because we're going to spread your legs. Just belting them out. With sex. With sex. <laughs> hey, listen, yes. Gore, Gore Luis, your wife. This, we're just joking, dude. Your wife, Honestly, dude, no, your wife's tits, She's though. wicked cool, man. <laughs> she's wicked cool, man. You're so you're lucky. You're a lucky guy. Dude, you're so lucky. If only oh. I had a girl if only I had a girl like that, Gore Louise. <laughs> I wouldn't let some guy talk to her like I am. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you what, <laughs> if I wasn't king, king you'd probably be pretty pretty yeah. mad right now. Igarna. Igarna. Show us your tits. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh so the married couple went into hiding in separate impregnable castles. Um, although, you know, Uther was trying to impregnate those castles. (laughs) (laughs) But he was like, he was so rock hard while fucking, uh, besieging, uh, Gorlois that he like looks at his guy, uh, like his friends. He's like, yo, what if we just snuck out of here and went to her castle? Yeah. What if, what if we just, let's just, they they, they can just hold the siege and I can just go like, Fuck the shit. Honestly, this is the most realistic part of the story because who hasn't pulled some outrageous shit when they're just like a young, horny person? Yeah. All in pursuit of the bootay. Whom whom amongst us has not besieged not one but two impregnable castles in order <laughs> to get laid? Uh, you know, just get a few beers in me and I'll be right there besieging Absolutely. Constantinople, dude. Absolutely, dude. Um, so, so he had Merlin disguise him with like some draft as Gorlois. And snuck into the castle for a little uh, Ejerna pussy. <laughs> he Yucky. wanted to get some kuchi. <laughs> Yucky. Uh, so this is how King Arthur was conceived. Nice, dude. Through rape. <laughs> like all great men. <laughs> like, now think about Dude, that's... <laughs> that would be so... Bizarre. Like, it's, that's like a great, like, anti-abortion slogan. It's like, well, what if he was the next King Arthur? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you know, no. they always pull that shit. It's like, a, it's well, like if, Texas. If, if, if they would, we would never have had King Arthur in the round yeah. table. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. A blessing is a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, they were just running those ads in Texas recently. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking nonsense. For the record. For the, the record. Okay. Yeah. I'm making fun of those people. Stupid. Yeah. It's stupid. Fuck you. Um, stupid. So meanwhile, the, bodies, yeah. man. So meanwhile, the siege at Gorluis's castle turned into a battle, and he was killed. Eventually, with Ejerna not aware that she had laid with Uther, news of Gorluis's death came to her, and she married Uther, and they fell in love. So both Arthur and his sister Anna were born. And as the years went by... Uther grew ill, and Octa and Aosa, did you forget about them? Because they were still in prison for these decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, they escaped and built a massive Saxon invasion force, which landed and devastated the island. However, a great battle finally happened at St. Albans, where the Saxons underestimated the old and feeble Uther, and he won the day, killing both. The Saxons would then flee north and plot to poison Uther, which they successfully killed the, the ailing king. And he was buried at the Giant's Ring alongside his brother, Aurelius Ambrosius. Which is Stonehenge? That's Stonehenge, yeah. So yeah. Uther Pendragon is buried under Stonehenge? Yeah, with uh, Aurelius Ambrosius. All right. Get your shovel, buddy. We're going yep. to... We're going dig him. I mean, if you look at my Hell bucket list... yeah, brother. If you look at my bucket list, like five items down is dig up a dead king's bones. And uh, yeah. I don't care which king, but I've always dead wanted king. to dig, a, dig up a dead king's bones. Preferably not a petty king. I, I yeah, know. like a real king. Yeah, not no earl. King up, Arthur's up, dad's up, not bones. Not some upstarted <laughs> earl. <laughs> that would be a really cool thing to have, just in, just like loose in your house. This is King Arthur's dad's bones. So this is Uther the living room. Uh, not much going on there. This is the kitchenette. And then over there you'll notice the pile of King Arthur's father's bones, which I that dug up. That is King up. Arthur's dad's pelvis. King Arthur's dad's coccyx. That pelvis is which where I, Arthur came from. I dug these up from Stonehenge myself <laughs> with yeah. my bare hands, nothing but a dollar and a dream. And I have ev- evaded Interpol for <laughs> oh, roughly three years with yep. this. You should also see my collection of, uh, of, other, of other cool stuff. Of other tchotchkes. Like I've got Jimi Hendrix's afro. And I've, <laughs> and I've also got the, the tub water that Jim Morrison was found in. Now... I'm, I, I know people think I'm morbid, but uh, that's just the kind of guy I am. I like the, um, the dead leavings of uh, important people. Absolutely.
So anyway, yep, that's the story. That, this story is is pretty fun. I like it. Yeah. And I, I actually feel like the longer you go on this series, the better you get at presenting the narrative in a manner that is like semi coherent. Yeah. Maybe I'm just getting better at understanding what the fuck Jeffrey's talking about. I mean, it's tough, man. Like, yeah, there's just so many. It's the names are really what the names. Me. Oh my god, dude, that's a, like. And the thing is, he will tell you no events going on, but he'll have a fucking paragraph where he just rattles off like 15 names of kings. Yeah. And he won't tell you a goddamn thing about them. Yeah. And all the names will be different. Some of them slightly similar. Right. And it's just like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. So we're giving the heavily abridged version yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, I think this one may have been easier to follow just because it mainly is, like, over a short period of time. And it's right. just, like, the main characters are um, uh, Constance, Aurelius Ambrosius, Vortigern, and uh, Uther Pendragon. Mm. Well, I, I think that this, that this means that next episode is going to be our King Arthur episode. Yep. Yeah, it's King Arthur till the end. That rocks. Arthur and then, uh, and then the Saxon invasion, like the final Saxon invasion. Wow. Yep. So, Does yeah, he get one into any of like, the cool like, roundtable mythos, or is that all later? I'm not sure. I have no idea. I haven't started it yet. Oh, okay. It is very long, though. It's uh, the longest chapter in the book. Yeah. I think, I think King Arthur takes up like a full sixth of the narrative. Have you seen that they're doing a uh, an Arthurian legend film? Really? Uh, what's it called? I mean, there was a terrible one starring uh, what was his name from uh, Sons of Anarchy, right? A few years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, no, but that's not. I'm talking about Charlie one. Hunnam. So it's called The Green Knight, and uh, okay. it's actually coming out soon. But it's directed by David Lowry, who yep. um, what the hell else did he make? Um, hold on, I'll cut all this stuff out. But was he. Uh, a ghost story, which I remember hearing about. Um, anyway, he's like an abstract film artist, but uh, yeah. he's making this this movie about the story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, and it okay. looks super super cool. All um, right, like, like kind of unbelievable. That. Yeah, you should watch the trailer. Everybody should watch the trailer because this movie looks yeah. bananas and awesome. And apparently, it like really accurately captures the sort of like ethereal, dreamlike quality of a lot of Arthurian legend. You know, because yeah. movies that you get made about it are like that Charlie Hunnam movie where it's like, let's yeah. rework this into like an action pseudo historical epic, and it's like, nah, man, these are some trippy stories. Yeah. So this movie I mean, looks dude, like, d- d- dude, the fucking prophecies of Merlin. Yeah. It's like he just like his eyes roll back into his head. He starts, uh, like crying and screaming about fucking like all I don't know, just like insane shit. Yeah, it's it's and he's like and he's like a main character in the Arthurian legend too. You know, he yeah. keeps going so. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. This whole thing is it's starting to verge on really cool territory. It is, yeah. I, yeah. I I will say that these were the first chapters that I actually like enjoyed reading. Yeah, the early stuff is cool, and I mean, it sort of sets this like really bizarre background with like the Britons coming from Troy and all that stuff. But mm. um, this is like this is like yeah. what I would consider the meat and potatoes. Of, exactly. Uh, yeah. Which is a quintessentially British uh, food yes. reference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that was great. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. I appreciate it because this was uh, definitely a turning point for me. I, I re- regret my earlier uh, reticence to participate. <laughs> I was just yeah. kidding about that. But uh, yeah. uh, th- this is definitely, like, the best part so far. Yep, for I sure. Um, so uh, I'm not sure. We got some cool stuff coming up, I yeah. guess, for our listeners. The next two uh, weeks are going to be fun as shit. Yeah, so I'm not sure if it'll be next Friday or the one after we'll have our first guests on. I think that'll um, be in two weeks. Two weeks? Okay, yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll, yeah. We're recording, so I'm going to be going away um, on the 5th, and so we'll be recording next week. We'll be recording two episodes uh, yep. on the same day, um, and do we want to just tell what they're going to be? I mean, they're both pretty cool. No, no. No? All right, well, one of them is going to have our first guests, which we're really excited about. Um, And the other is going to be, uh, I mean, I'll give a little hint. It's going to be an episode about um, a very famous butthole. And that's not. I I myself forgot what it was, so I did appreciate that hint. That's not going to be, that's not a joke. It's it's actually going to involve. We're talking uh, ass. An anal sphincter. Um, But it's a great story, so buckle up. Um, yep. Cool. All right. So, I mean, other than that, I guess I will say that, as always, we'll have links to, like, ways to get in touch with us on the episode yep. descriptions. Um, 
I'd like to give a verbal shout out to Interesting Times Gang for providing most of the music that we use in the show. Um, Bless up. Truly, yeah, truly just like a, a gift, a gift from on high um, to have him so or them. So we will uh, we will also put a link to, to where you can find some of this stuff um, yep. that they're making on the episode description as well. Um, and thanks again for joining us for Left Unread, and I hope that you guys are excited for King Arthur and booties and guests and all kinds of cool shit coming up because we've, yep. we've actually started to hit our stride as far as like some of our more radical episode ideas. Yeah. Yeah. We saved the lame ones for when we sucked. Yeah, we did. We definitely started <laughs> with some of the, not like lame, but just yeah. s- stuff that, know. you know, we were more willing to not have be like the cream of the crop. Yep. And I keep coming up with new ideas. My list, yeah. every time I check something off my list, Dude, yeah. there's like a new something that pops in. I was yep. thinking I want to do a series of episodes about crypto zoology and like uh, the mm-hmm. historical events surrounding perceived sightings of like mythical creatures. So like yeah. spring Jack, um, Jack the Ripper, which is more real, I guess. But, um, yeah. you know, like the black dog of the Moors and all that shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I want to I do some, some more like uh, weird stuff. Yeah. Why not? Oh. oh Dyatlov got my juices flowing for the weird shit. So. Yeah, so uh, just, um, you know, tell your friends about us, review us, five stars, and uh, we will see you next time. Yeah, we will. All right, peace. Bye. Bye.